Welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Bedratty. Our friends at Bedratty want to introduce new arrivals for the fall. Bedratty has freshened up its offering with new colors, prints, and styles. Our favorite is the Tripping Billy Polo, a printed polo made of the softest Peruvian Pima cotton. Seriously, this cotton is like butter. I, I have all these polos that I wear like t-shirts because they are so comfortable. They'd also like to feature a tonal tie-dye that is a casual take on a polo and yet can pass at most golf courses for dress code. For a limited time, take 25% off your entire purchase at bedratty.com with code TFE25. That's all caps, no spaces, TFE25, and pick up some new Dratty gear. That's bedratty.com, code TFE25. Today's episode is with former U.S. Open champion Jeff Ogilvie. It's been a while since Jeff and I talked, basically after the President's Cup, so we caught up on all the happenings in golf, uh, and then we did a little bit of a preview on the PGA Championship that's this week. Obviously a big week. It's awesome to have major championship golf back. This will be a part of our PGA Championship preview coverage. If you don't yet, subscribe to our newsletter. That will get you updates uh, daily once the tournament starts and give you a robust preview on Wednesday. And then Garrett will be producing another TFE story. So then that's going to be all centered around TPC Harding Park, which is uh, going to be a really cool story just about the municipal golf in San Francisco and, and Harding Park's place in it. So that will be dropping Wednesday. Be sure to check that out. And... Yeah, it should be an awesome week. I I can't wait to watch Major Championship Golf, and it's cool having the PGA kick us off at Harding Park, with which should be a great stretch of golf here the next uh, three months. So, without further ado, here is Jeff Ogilvie. I miss a green, for example. I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie. I'm about ready to run off the golf course. It's good, though. There's good things out of it, though. I mean, I love the pin-in. I love the pin-in. I think the pin-in's so good for, like, club normal golf. I think pros do whatever, but club normal golf, pin-in's the best. And no rakes. People, uh, I played around where somebody took it out, and I, like, didn't like it out. I've gotten used (laughs) to putting with it in now. It, like, felt really weird, and I felt the other way when people would want me to putt with it in before, and now I'm, like, used to putting with it in. It's kind of nice having it in. I like it. And it's so liberating never having to touch a flag or a rake for another person, right? Yeah. And no one has to do it for anyone. So you just, you, it's just a smoother round of golf when you don't have to do those two things for some reason. Hang on a minute. I'll go get the flag for you. Or hang on a minute. I'll go rake that for you. You go grab it. I mean, it's just, it's, it's not that bad, but it's just so nice not doing it. I kind of enjoy, you know, maybe this is because I'm like, a, I hate myself or something, but I kind of enjoy when I hit a bad shot into a bunker and it's in a footprint now. Oh, yeah, it's actually kind of cool. Um, the bunkers, especially Melbourne bunkers, like we're spoiled because they're so good looking anyway, but they look miraculous with all the footprints. They look so good. It's like little Pine Valley, little pockets everywhere. Kind of, it's awesome. Yeah, I've got a lot of pictures of, because of, I'll take them early in the morning and I'll do these like straight downs of, of bunkers. And I like the look of bunkers with footprints in them. I do too. Lots of footprints. Yeah. Like one, like a pristine bunker with one set looks awful, right? Mm-hmm. But if it's just been like a let go for a few days and there's a bit of rain raking and a bit of wind and a few footprints here and there, it looks brilliant. Yeah, I like it. Hey, so last time we talked, we were at the beginning of the Bryson experiment. Yeah, wow, hey? How'd that turn out? I mean, um, wow. I mean, hats off to the guy. That's nuts what he's done. Unbelievable. Yeah. I've never said, no one's ever, I mean, forever, or at least in my forever, anytime anyone tried to get longer, they lost lost it, right? They got, they, they 
gained weight and got injured and they lost their swing and they started hitting it sideways. They did the Ian Baker Finch style kind of, and there's the Bobby Clampett, the whatever it is. There's hundreds of them who have chased distance and chased technique and just gone disastrous. And he's like one of the only guys who's actually got better, longer. He's almost the best golfer in the world at the moment. It's nuts. Yeah, it, it's crazy. I I can't believe that it like worked and you know it, the amazing things how accurate he's stayed like he hits it pretty straight you know there's occasional off the planet foul ball but you know for the most part it it especially at a lot of golf courses you hit it 360 and there's not a lot of trouble when you're 40 yards around the green all the time well i mean a 40 yard shot out of the rough is pretty easy and if it's 40 yard shot from the fairway i mean where he drove it on the first at muirfield village the other week i mean that's I've I've seen more people play third shots from there. I never, no one's ever considered like fourteen people have driven tried to drive fourteen before. You know, off that front tee, that's a drivable hole. But number one is a it's a three wood seven iron hole. My whole life, you know, now he's a driver at a forty yard pitch. He had like forty five to the pin, um, crazy. But it's funny. Hogan used to say, uh, the harder he hit it, the better he hit it. Like when he really clicked, you know, when his secret or whatever he something clicked for him, the harder I hit it, the better it worked. And Bryson seems to have got onto something like that. Whatever it is, it doesn't look the same. It's a, it's not Hogan, but he's obviously tapped into that. You know, the harder he goes, the better it goes because he does. He's at three sixty dead straight. It's nuts. That's something you've said before too. Is a lot of the longest guys are the best swingers of the golf club on tour, like Rory and DJ. <laughs> Brooks, they they're they're great ball strikers in general. Well, I think there was probably a lot of untapped potential in a human before, uh, and the odd there was the odd outlier that kind of showed like the, the Bob Jones and the Sneed and the Normans and the Nicholas. So they 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 kind of showed the potential power, but now everybody's kind of tapping into that. And I think now that everyone's kind of base speed or power is there it's only the great action that can really like maximize their body i think so it used to be the long hitter was the guy who'd take a few risks and hit the big hook and like try to hit a long way now it's the guy who just hits the cruisy fade and hits it straightest so you get brooks and dustin and bryson and rory that are the straightest drivers in golf and the longest <laughs> it's almost unfair Piers like 350 is the new 300 now do you think more guys are gonna chase distance now that Bryson's successfully done it? Well, one, yes, because the tour is absolutely a follow-the-leader environment. Always has been since day one. Um, before my time, people were copying the best golfers in the world. You know, they just were. Um, so, yes, there'll be guys who do it, and there'll be guys who do it well, and there'll be a lot of guys who do it poorly. Bryson's an interesting guy, and he he doesn't he thinks about everything before he does it, you know. Like, I'm sure there was quite a well- charted plan for this whole thing i mean hopefully guys don't go the wrong way but i think it showed people what some of the you know the jack nicholas and the tiger and the everyone who's ever talked about the equipment going a bit too far bryson's kind of like put a big magnifying glass on it you know this is actually where golf could look like in 20 years guys i mean it's fine that there's outliers you know jack hit at 300 plus in the 60s you know I don't, I don't mind the length it's uh but do we it's it's a view of what golf might look like in 20 years you know and i think that's surprised a few people yeah i think that's because you saw cameron champ when he came out everybody's like oh you know he's a outlier and now bryson is right there with him and uh and bryson wasn't that a year ago you know no, so if one guy, and he's a big guy, Bryson, and he's clearly very committed, and anyone else to make those sort of gains would be amazing. But it does show you that if you get the protein bars and you go to the gym a little bit and you you, you, you set up your little home studio to hit it hard, who knows? I mean, it's at least – I mean, people have been working on hitting it far forever, but it was proportionate, right? Now it's guys go home and if you – if a tour guy's bag, you pull out his tour bag, he's got speed sticks and some sort of, he's got about four or five apparatus in there that like help him swing it fast, you know, to practice with every day. Um, it's just a thing everyone works on. So I think the Bryson's shown that there is like gold at the end of that highway if you take it, you know, so people are going to do it. Yeah. The thing with the distance, that's just, I mean, 
if you hit it 350 every day you go to the golf course you hit it 350 it's not like i don't know if i'm going to putt well today or I, I hope i hit my irons close today it's like every day you show up you know the ball's going 350 360 and you know if you hit it reasonably straight he's just every round he starts two shots ahead of you know the average guy in the field and it you don't the, what we saw when he won in detroit he didn't even play that well outside you know he putted well he drove it well and everything else was pretty mediocre to below average and that's the amazing thing with distance if you're dominant there you can it covers up so much other stuff that's true on, on setups like that i think it like somebody like riviera would be interesting to see how that style would work because you can be close to the green at riviera and not be able to hit the green right um in certain situations and he might be too big for a course like that. I don't know, but um, what an advantage to hit it straight and over three hundred every shot. Like it's incredible. Like there's no fairway bunkers for him. Yeah, you know, unless they're unless they're greenside bunkers. It's uh it's nuts. I mean, Colonial the line he was taken down to some of those holes was. Uh, these are courses I've played fifty times, you know, and it's just it's b- bizarre where he's hitting it. It's crazy. It's it's impressive. Like beyond everything that like I don't like the way golf looks if people are driving at 40 yards from par fours so I don't, I'm not sure if the whole field was doing that people would lose interest I think at some point or at least everyone would just watch tee shots but um it's impressive like it's it's fun to watch I was I was watching a, I was out walking a championship course the other day and it's a course that has like a lot of trees that they use as like the trees are kind of like point people directions and i i was standing on tees and i just started thinking about where bryson's gonna be hitting it's kind of unbelievable because you're like yeah he just hit it over these trees and you know that looks like somewhere he could hit it and it's just it otherwise out of this world like nobody else would be doing that but it takes a 450 hole and turns it into you know pitch and putt which is it's it's quite the advantage. I, uh, if you were going to try and set up against that, how would you set up a golf course in order to mitigate distance some? And obviously, it's always going to be an advantage, you know. It has to be, and it should be an advantage. Yeah. Like, it's a big part of golf. I mean, Jack and Bobby Jones, and again, Sneed, all these guys, they had an advantage because they were longer, and that was, they were longer because they were better. You know, so it's part of the who is better equation, right, is power and length. It is because it's using your body well and swinging it well. And as I said, a good swing makes a ball go far. So it should be a vanity. I mean, I just think you have to have the golf course firm. Um, Muirfield, Muirfield Village was, was actually, yeah. was a perfect, a perfect illustration um, of what soft golf and firm golf has two weeks in a row. That it's such a good job. I mean, Jack and the crew there, I mean, to have two tournaments at Muirfield Village that two weeks in a row that felt like at least from the outside, looking like watching different, they were two completely different tournaments to watch. The course had a different personality both times. Um, what a great effort that was just on that to have a court to, to a tournament at the same course two weeks in a row and have it feel like different tournaments was nuts. But I mean, as soon as you got the greens really firm at Muirfield, I mean, the whole length thing is irrelevant because you've just got to be under the hole and you can only get under the hole from a good position off the tee and a firm fairway, they're very wide at Millfield Village, but they play na- quite narrow when they're firm. Um, I-, I would just make it firm and flyer and fiery, you know, because when it's soft, you can wail away with the driver over a corner because you know when it lands, it's going to stop. But if it's going to land and run out 20, picking lines over corners are a lot difficult, you know. And then if you're in the rough, then it's hard to get it close to the pin because the wedge shot's difficult because of the firm green. And so I would just turn the water off a little bit, I think. Yeah, that's that's what Bill Cor was talking about with Trinity Forest is the idea of making long hitters not only hit it long and straight, but long, straight, and the right distance. And if you get those angles and it's firm and you're cutting a corner, the fairway gets smaller in general, but then... It's, you also have to think about how far is this going to roll. Yeah, you have to how far is it going to roll, and you have when everything is firm. I mean, I think it was a Hogan quote: like you measure drive by position, not purely just by distance. Right? There's a there is a best spot in the hole to come in from, and the firmer it is, the harder it is, and the more quality shot you have to hit to get it to that spot to hit the good shot into the green. You know what I mean? So like, there's a bit more thought off the tee, I think, when everything's firm. 
Um, John Zekwitz, uh did ran some numbers for me for that tournament, and the penalty of the rough was the identical to almost every other week at Muirfield Village. But it was incredibly, it was much more difficult percentage-wise to hit fairways. Um, and then the proximity for par threes was higher than normal, which would point to the firmness, because that was as firm as we've ever seen it. So the firmer fairways made it harder to hit fairways. Same penalty for rough, as it usually is, you know, but then it was also on par threes, they saw the proximity go up, which probably was because of firm firm greens, because I think the pins were about the same as every uh, every year there. And look, it might have been a bit windier and stuff. I mean, but generally... Every tournament I've ever played, at least in the last 15 years, I mean, the standards got so much better, at least the depth-wise. If it's soft and the greens are good, guys will go low. It doesn't matter. I mean, like, look what happened at um, Madonna a few years ago. I mean, it's a really long course, historically really difficult. It is difficult, but with perfect presentation of greens and a little bit soft. If, if the best players in the world come playing well, they're going to shoot low. But if it's firm, then there's... Uh, I don't know. It's just it, it, the ball bounces through the corner into the rough a little bit and it just bounces that one hop over the back and you've got a little wedge from over the green. It just, it, it's harder to free swing and just go nuts, you know, when it's firm because it just, you got to be a bit more kind of, you leave a bit more in to like fit the ball in the course. It was kind of like Harbour Town this year in the summer, wet and soft and hot versus when they play it right after the Masters. Like, and the scores were just crazy compared to yeah, what it usually exactly. is. Exactly. I mean, one or two under at Hilton Head a day was always good for eight or nine under for the week was always good for a top 10 in the old days, always like it's, and the winner would sometimes just be like 10, 11 and 12 on a part. And it's a very small course. So there's very relatively simple greens to putt. Um, always the, like the putting record, putting records were at Hilton Head, but no one could hit greens. And so you were trying to get up and down all week, which is why it had the putting record. But when it was soft, yeah, everyone goes low. So it's not, I don't think you want, kind of Shinnecock 2018 firm was it 2018 yeah but you <laughs> and it's fast but you it needs to like go somewhere when it lands the ball a little bit you know and I think then it's you can just play the Bryson style but it would be interesting to see him do that around a course a firmly presented course and Milford Village the second week was firmly presented he missed the cut right or was it the first week he missed the cut I mean, he had that ten, which was a big, uh, big reason why. But that was <laughs> yeah, and he's look, and he's on the back end of a lot of tournaments in a row, and he, and he obviously his work day is twenty four hours, right? He doesn't seem to take a break, so um, he was probably really tired. So you can't really read much into that. But um, yeah, I like I like golf with a bounce on it, a little bit firm. The majors are always, but the Masters are a perfect example. There's no rough. There's a second cut, but there's basically, there's no trouble to really hit it into off the tee as far as the lie you get. And the fairways aren't even really that firm, but a little bit firm on the greens and fast. And it uses kind of position to test people, not lie. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. That's the way I see Augusta. Um, the scores are, the best player always shoots 15, 16 under, but eighth is always thir- three under or something, you know? Like it spreads the field. It really rewards because angles and positions matter, not just out and out length. And length is the biggest advantage at Augusta massively. And Bryson will do great there, um, but it's not the whole thing. The job isn't done if you just smash it 350 down every fairway. He has to have it 350 in the right place or he's going to have trouble. Yeah, the 14th fairway from the 13th. That's what he was saying he's going to do. 14. Well, yeah, absolutely. He could do it. Absolutely. I mean, 13, to be fair, he's just going to, it's going to be a nothing. He's going to annihilate 13 like Bubba did a few years ago. Um, it, might pro- it might prompt, uh, the, we haven't talked since the USGA uh, talked about the rollback, you know, and something might happen. Possibly. They're studying. They said that there's adverse effect. So, Well, I don't know. It's such a, as I said, I'd love to see it not have to change. But if golf in 20 years become, if, if the PGA Tour becomes 156, Bryson's teeing it up every week, not as in Bryson DeChambeau's a great person to watch and he's a va- massive addition to golf, but that style of play, I don't know if that's quite as attractive as 
what we picture as golf. You know what I mean? If everybody's doing it. So maybe there's an issue and having to kind of create venues and distort venues doesn't seem to make sense either. So look, I'm not saying for 99.99% of golf, there's much of an issue, but right at that pointy end, it's getting a little weird the way they're playing, you know, like traditional golf courses. And I just, I think that'd be a shame in the end if, if everybody ended up just taking it over corners and flying at 360 and chipping it onto greens. I mean, you'd only need about four clubs, you know? Yeah. That's the crazy thing I was thinking about with, uh, you know, with the way Bryson played at Detroit, especially you looked at it and he, you know, he'd only hit like a five iron into par fives. He wasn't even, you know, usually at least we still had, you know, oh, par fives test long irons. And it's like that, that's not even the case anymore. So it's just, it's a, uh, it's an insane kind of thing. And a course that should be firm is uh, Hardick Park. You've played there. Yeah, Hardy Park, President's Cup, we played there in, uh, what was that, 09? 09, yeah. yeah. Um, brilliant place. Love, I love the area. I mean, that whole Olympic, Harding Park, I've never played the other one there. Um, San Francisco. Oh, I've played San Francisco. There's another one there too, right? Uh, Harding Park, uh, Lake Merced. Olympic. Lake Merced. Lake Merced. I've never played Lake Merced. But San Francisco is brilliant, obviously. Uh, Olympic is brilliant. Frustrating as to play in the US Open. Um, but Harding Park is a lovely place. I mean... It's public, right? Yeah. I think it's 70, yeah, so, 70 bucks for San Francisco resident, which is, you know, it's not cheap, but it's a pretty good deal for golf in the city at a, at a pretty good level. Yeah, it's a great course too. It's really cool. Um, I was looking, I looked at it a little bit the other day on some pictures that got posted from somewhere, but I can't remember. We changed the routing though, right? We finished 18 to one around the trees, right? The dog leg left. Yeah. Up, we, uh, with the water on the left. Yeah, the one that Daly and Tiger had a playoff in that WTC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I remember that as fourteen or fifteen. So my numbers are a bit done, but um, it's a beautiful place. Such a California style course, you know, kind of that damp, kind of near ocean, kind of side of hill feeling. Like it's, uh, yeah, it's great. It's very California. I like it. What uh, do you from what you remember? Was there anything that stood out for like you got to do X well out there? Um, no, you got to hit it pretty straight. The, the trees are quite prominent, you know, Olympic style, you know, if you hit it down into the rough and that you might have some kind of cypress limbs and some trees to go past. I think it's relatively narrow um, and tricky around the greens. I think tricky because greens in California, I say this with love, are generally not that smooth. <laughs> um, Olympics, by the way, miraculous. When we played, when Webb, when the US Open there, they were the best greens we've ever putted a US Open on, ironically, and they were in California because they were brand new bent and they hadn't got any power in them. Um, they're usually a test. And what happens on California greens is great putters putt well. You know, the Snedeker's Tiger, Ricky will probably putt well. The Historically, the guys who, Mickelson's a West Coast genius, right? Um, there's a, there's a, a handful of guys who really seem to get that around the greens thing on the West Coast. So I'd, you'd, I'd Speed. leave. Speed yeah, actually absolutely. is really good. Jason Day, uh, yeah. D- DJ, another good yeah. one. You know, he like, DJ's brilliant, yeah. Yeah, he, I, it's a crazy. There's certain players that putt markably better on Poana than anywhere else. Snedeker yeah, is for sure one. Snedeker's nuts, yeah. Um, DJ's won Pebble a hundred times, yeah. They, um, it's Sned- a... It's, it's a learnt skill. Putting in California, if you didn't grow up there, it's a learnt skill. It's not that it's bad. It's just a different skill, right? And it's quite scary. And um, usually the best putters do it the best. I lived in California for a while. I played, I would play Rancho Park late at night, which, you know, Rancho Park's probably the busiest, one of the busiest, five busiest public golf courses in America. Um, and it would be ropey, but is that is that just, is it just not, is it because there's doubt in players head that make it so makes it so tough i think what happens is just power that naturally is a grass it 24 hours it changes quite a lot you know when it's first cut you get out there in the morning it's like these greens are perfect miraculous and there's some power greens in the world oakmont pine valley that uh, oakmont's greens are the best in the world and they're like 80 year old power and they're perfect so anyone who's got a stigma and says power can't be good just go to oakmont like they're miraculous but 
in California, near the water, the salt in the air, whatever it is, by two or three o'clock in the afternoon, they're nothing to do with the super. It just gets a bit bumpy. They get fast and they get bumpy. Um, and they tend to go straight. Like, good, as I said, good putters hole them, but it's a very scary experience putting from inside five or six feet on those things in tournament speeds and tournament conditions. And uh, fear is usually what drives people's putting to go bad. So it's the guys who are the most confident in their putting. They, they seem to hold more. They love Mickelson's made like lo- miles of putts in California over the last 25 years. Miles of makes it from everywhere, and, and if you watch when you watch the, the LA Open or Torrey Pines or Pebble Beach, you watch these tournaments every year on. Um, and you're just watching the leaderboards, and you just think, "Oh yeah, these people are holding putts." But if the rest of the tour is like flipping out, trying to hold two footers on the putting green at Riviera, and like two in their head in, like it's nuts. It's funny. They're yeah. good. Brant Snedeker is an inter- interesting career because. If you look, I've I looked at all of his stats, um, and you know he's never been a plus ball striker at all, and it's just amazing how good he is around and on the greens, like just utterly out of this world. I mean, it, it does yeah, it when you not- play with him. Does it feel like that? Uh, his putting is just nuts, but like his um, ball striking is tidy. Like it wouldn't statistically show well, probably. But it's very rhythmical, you know. It's like met- metronomic. He's got this great kind of speed that he plays golf at pace. His routine's good. And when you play with him, you can tell he's a good player straight away, even if he's not hitting it well. Does that make sense? Because mm-hmm. he's just got this great cadence to how he plays. So it's And good players usually do that. And putting, his putting strokes like this long. <laughs> and his balls, they go in the hole better than other people's balls. They like, you know those... Great part is the ball seems to just go down. It just goes in. Just go, just, uh, for whatever reason, his ball just looks like it goes in the hole better than everyone else's. It looks like that's where it wants to be. Um, that's the way I feel like on with, a run, it's nuts. With great jump shooters, like a, a great sh- shooter in basketball, the the ball goes in the hoop differently. Like it, it like yeah. vortexes. It's like it's like a vortex. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah nuts. Um. Yeah. Who else would be uh, in the same class on or around the greens that, you know, that you would put in there with, with Snedeker? Well, as of the, I mean, we obviously Tiger and Phil. Um, Phil's putting has been hit and miss. It's never been the same as Brad's putts well every day, right? Phil putts well. When he putts well, he putts great, but he has bad times too. Um, Spieth, there was about a four, four, three or four-year period there where he, around the greens, was just something I'd never seen or heard of before. Um, absolutely miraculous. John Rahm, his short game's well publicized. His short game is very Spanish, like it's genius mm-hmm. level. Um, <laughs> and his putting is nice, right? His putting is really, really good and really solid. Um, but his I short think- game, his little 60s and 56s around the green are just uh, they're so nice to watch. I feel like he could be number one for a while. Oh yeah, I mean, the this uh, the the lockdown or the COVID sort of stuck inside. I've done more like finding old swings of YouTube and golf swings, and it's more of a go- it's been a golf swing muse of me rather than any other part of golf. Golf swings been my thing, and there's so much footage. I like my search on the Instagram, the little search magnifying glass that shows up things you might like. It's all just golf swings, right? <laughs> so I got five minutes of like metaphorically at the bus stop or whatever. And I'm just watching golf swings, golf swings, golf swings. John Rams does everything it needs to do to be good for a really long time. You know, um, so strong. It's a great, yeah, he could be the only thing that'll catch him is it's difficult to be number one, you know, um, very rare is the tiger who, lo- who lo- very rare is the guy like tiger who just loves that level of attention every week. I mean, I think John, he's, he wears number one. Well, or he wears a, Great player in the world, well, but number one's a pretty magnified uh, spotlight position. You know what I mean? Most guys usually have a few years and then they come back and then they go up and then they come back. And then, you know what I mean? We'll what, see. What about Very a swing though. do you like so much? It's so shallow on the way down. I mean, everyone talks about shallowing the. Yeah. Like the, the, the club not getting steep, but shallowing down. Um, and it's just so naturally. He's one of those guys that the harder he hits it, the better he's going to hit it. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, 
Well, if you think of the worst swing, like the the average amateur golfer, you see down on the golf course, and it's just a big pull inside over the top, like kind of slice. The like the worst swing you can imagine. That's actually a golf swing. Rams is the opposite of everything of that. Like it just does everything good, you know. Like his pivot's good, the position of the club. I like the laid off bowed wrist thing. Um, he's so strong. He use, it's all about his body and his arms just go along for a ride. It's very easy for him to straight along. I just, it just ticks every box for me. And, and if, when I first saw it, I'm like, that's a bit of an odd action. That's a bit different, um, but it does. It ticks every box. So that's great. I like his swing. What what other swings were you, have you been mesmerized by? You just, take us on a, a little bit of your journey here. Well, I like old golf, obviously, and I've found a lot of Sneed and Jones, I think, are my two favorites. Um, there's a lot of Trevino. I like Trevino, and I would have loved to have seen Trevino hit it. Um, and knowing what you know as a golfer, you know his action was pure, but I, the, the, the great Sneed footage, there's some great YouTubes of Sneed, um, and the Jones videos, all those Jones videos he made, those mm-hmm. ones he made for TV or whatever. I just have these... Bobby Jones would be like Cameron Champ right now. Like I'd be, I'd really love, it would have been unbelievable if you could somehow get Bob Jones with 2020 equipment and like six months to get used to it. How would he actually hit it? And I reckon he would hit it like Cab Champ. It would have just been nuts. His move was so good. I mean, he was Um, hitting the wooden stuff 300 plus. Yeah. And it's amazing to me. Like what I, my sort of fruitless thought, passages that I go down that aren't really going to get me anywhere is, I mean, there's, there was an advantage to learning with their equipment because a lot of guys back then had, had really, really, really good moves. You know, mm-hmm. I said, Bob Jones is like a just next level move. It was way inside. He was wearing jackets and ties and crazy clothes. And it was, and he was in a 300 with crappy stuff. Um, a great move. And then Sneed's just, just, everyone needs to watch Sneed swing it for a while. Just watch it. You don't have to copy it, but just watch it. Cause it's just, Wow, no one's swinging it that good ever, I don't think. There's a great Hogan video where he's talking about the downswing and what he's thinking about with like his his like I think he's talking about like his lower body and like how it moves and it's just it that is a video that I love. And then earlier Ernie L's I could watch on loop for days. Yeah, Ernie Ernie L's early Ernie was good. Um it's funny. There's a there's watching swings and then there's playing with guys. Obviously, I've been lucky to play with guys like the guys I've played with who have hit the bet. Sergio's probably been of someone of my kind of era who's played for the last twenty. That's sort of same period as me. Sergio's consistently the best ball striking wise. From day one, he just flushed it, and the longer the shot, the better. I mean, he's just an unbelievable ball striker but i don't love watching his swing as much as i like watching someone else's but i love watching him hit it does that make sense the swings i like to watch and there's ball flights i like to watch sergio's ball flight i could watch all day not that i don't like his swing but i feel I mean, like I john rom's a little team. like no. that oh, i don't know well yeah a little He's bit like, yeah his- i don't think anybody would say it's the most beautiful swing but then when you see the ball come off you're just like wow yeah yeah i love morikawa's swing is brilliant too i think colin um like his action. I think uh, Hovland, I like what they do. They're all doing similar stuff to what the old guys did. And I don't know if I could actually describe to you in words or write it down, like what they're doing, but Hovland, Morikawa, a lot of the great moves are showing things that those really old time great actions showed too, like more so than maybe the eighties and nineties and swings. You know what I mean? I think that we kind of went off on that video camera tangent for a while. And I think everyone's kind of come back to just what works is best, you know, and what works happens to actually be best clearly, yeah. you know, it's, it seems like the individual authenticity of the golf swings back rather than like, you know, I got in the rabbit hole of some old players like Faldo who had, would have, you know, he'd carry around his picture book of pictures you know, and compare his swing, like get into the positions, like to make yeah. sure his like swing was right along like the the A position or whatever. You know, um, it's crazy how the technology actually has led us back to individuality almost. Yeah, because we kind of we the video camera came along and we've it still gets used. 
but it's more it's 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 not used for technical purposes anymore. It's a vanity thing now. I mean, people just post Instagram videos and YouTubes, and it's all about content. This world now. So, I think the video thing has gone more that direction, and the teaching is force plates in the ground, track man or some sort of launch monitor and like club face checker and stuff. Um, and people are really just swinging it however they swing it to get good numbers. And then the ball goes good. And that happens to be probably their naturally good path and their good swing. So they're actually great players. Whereas we, there were periods in our generation that fellow led better influence generation. And it might be unfair to even blame them. It might be just video cameras came along and they were accessible and we could use them. And every coach thought, oh, well, this is a tool. I've got to have one. So every coach in the world for 20 years, you turn up, he goes, let's put a few on. Let's have a look how you're going. And so your whole spirit was, how do I look? You know, whereas now it's how do I how do I hit it? How do I feel? And it's it's subtle, but it's a massive difference. And and because of that, I think ball striking is I think the elite end of golf. Which twenty five years ago, it's still a bit of a dark art swinging it and hitting the ball. Right? Still, there's still kind of some mystery about it. People still really believe that Hogan had a secret and all that stuff. Now it's like nah, ball striking is pretty easy. Just kind of practice like this for a while and you hit it pretty good. You know, golf isn't easy, but they're hitting it. I feel like once the, the, the how it looks came out of people's heads, I think they're all starting to swing it. Yeah, like you said, authentically them, which seems to be a better way to be. Yeah. it's a, I, there's a, I listened to this one podcast. It's got one of my favorite quotes ever. It was this uh, tech investor. His name's Naval. And he said, authenticity will outrun all of your competition. Yeah, I like it. It's true. <laughs> and if you look at Matthew Wolf. Colin Morikawa, Hovland, um, Sung all the, I'm missing a few others. Sung Jay. Joaquin they're doing Neiman. it their way. Yeah, yeah, they're doing it their way. They're doing it. They're playing their game. That It's not a vanity contest. It's a, I just want to flush it contest, you know, and they're doing it well. You got $10 to spend on those five guys. How are you allocating your capital? You know, you get, you get, you get percentage points on their, on their career achievements. Where are we? Morikawa, Hovland. Wolf. Who else? Wolf. Neiman and Sungjae. Sungjae. Okay. I'm going to take uh, Morikawa number one. I don't know how I... Well, I've got $2 for each if I averaged it, right? So I'd go Morikawa, Sungjae and Hovland would be tied for second. And then Neiman and... Who's the last one? Wolf. 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 I like... Wako's amazing and he's going to play a lot of... Uh, great golf for a long time but colin is a standout and um victor and uh shit i'm forgetting them all but morikawa out of that crew i think wolf i love his action i love his action there's something really special about it but um and wako's good yeah morikawa he looks the real deal to me i mean his ball straight the guys i've talked to who have played with him says it's just ridiculous how well he hits it just week in week out it's just a machine made to play golf and with a great Spirit, like a great, it's that, that level-headed kind of demeanor that when every now and then you get a guy who's really got that kind of great head for golf and Morikawa's headspace seems to be great. I, say, I said a, a couple of weeks ago that he's the best iron player since Tiger. It looks at when you watch him, right? And everyone I've talked to have played with him said, yeah, it's nuts. He gets it so good. I mean, they all just watch him hit it on the range and how do I hit it that good? It's cool. It's nice. Yeah, he could be. And, and when you... The thing about tour golf is it wears you out because golf is a hard game. And so after a while, the shine comes off the whole experience and it just becomes a – you go through these stages of it being easy and grindy and easy and hard and easy and hard and easy and hard. And that kind of can wear you down. And that's why pros are always, oh, I need a bit of time off at the end of the year, you know, because all year they've been just working at it because it's hard to play at that level all the time. If you're you're naturally a great ball striker like Colin and you have to – expend less of your mental energy actually finding a way to hit it every week. You've got so much more energy to score well every week, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and any given week on tour, you're, you're really working hard to like make putts or to like just stop that ball gun in the right trees like it did last week or whatever. You're working hard. And that's fine. And most guys play in that state all the time. And that's cool, but it wears you down. If, if you're not having to grind that hard to get it to go where you want it to go, it's going to wear you down less and you're going to be lighter and you play better. You know, um, 
and those long careers are those sort of guys like Fred Couples and quite often a guy like Fred Couples who just doesn't expend energy he doesn't need to. And Morikawa seems to be that guy. Yeah. And, and you know, Fred Couples, like everybody dogs on him, but when he hurt his back, he was, he had won so many tournaments. Like he, I think he had won 10 times in three years or something. He won the major and he was number one. And then he hurt his back and he could never practice putting the same way again, you know? No, don't let people tell you that Freddie wasn't a good putter. I mean, he may have, gripped it left hand low and had a stabby ish looking stroke. <laughs> but he made a he made more putts between ten and twenty feet of anyone I've ever played with. He made a lot of putts. For for these young guys, I I was reading about Monty was talking about how important it is to get a major when you're young before like the, the scar tissue builds up. And because he had that close call in the early nineties at Pebble. You know, and he thought he, he. I mean, they congratulated him after his round. They said, hey, "Congratulations!" And then I, I think Kite won that one. But yeah, um, he did. But he talked about how important it is, like, and I think he was talking about Westwood. How important it was for Westwood to get one when he was young, and then, of course, Westwood. You know, has been so many near misses. Do you feel like you know for these all these young guys? I mean, Rom, Bryson. Uh, there's so many good young players now in this game with, you know, and there are only four majors a year. And is it going to be, you know, one of those things where some guys aren't going to get them because, you know, that scar tissue builds up or. Well, first thing, it's a first world problem saying you need to win a major young. I mean, if if you, (laughs) if you play golf, if you play golf and you never have to have a real job, and you get to like play golf for a living and they send you big checks at the end of every week that you play well and you never have a real job, that's success, right? <laughs> There's nothing you need more than that. Um, now, if you want to, if it's very important to you, I think, and, and you see yourself as a guy who sh- could be or should be having majors on their resume, the, everyone that goes past it probably gets more difficult, I'm sure, um, especially after two or three closed calls and, and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of the last 20 majors Monty played, it would have been, so is this the one? Is this the one? How are you playing, Colin? Are you going to win this one? You need to win one of these. You know you're the best player with that one. You know That would be tough. And so in his case, he's talking about his life, right? And it would have been great if he'd got one out of the way because he might have won five. He was that good. Talking about guys who impressed me, um, his ball striking was just miraculous and an authentic swing. But saying that, I don't know. I mean, look, Sergio didn't win one young. He won one. Phil didn't win one young. He won one. Scotty didn't win one young. He won one. Like, I don't know. There's a lot of guys who win them in their late 30s. Stenson won it late. Um, Justin Rose won it relatively late. Um, Jason's wasn't straight away. Like, I don't know. Like, um, I think there's, there's, there's an element of like that Jordan, what he did, the kind of, it's two sides to that. One, there's that kind of, I wouldn't, Young and dumb is not the right word, but a little bit, just no battle scars. He came out, he'd been dominating amateurs for a while. He's really excited about being a pro golfer. He's got his whole life looking forward to it. He makes a few putts, gets in a sweet spot, and he he wins a few majors straight away. That's brilliant. Well, that's two things, right? One, he doesn't have to win a major. Well, as I said, you don't have to win a major, but he's now off the hook for a major winner. But for the rest of his career, he has to live up to that. So, he's going to play under more stress and like be, be disappointed more often because he's had such a good start too, you know? So we're never really happy. So I don't know. I don't know. There's no have to win anything, but I think the sooner rather than later, if you really, really, really want to win a major or win anything, I think if it becomes a thing, see Rory at the masters, it's going to become a thing, mm-hmm. you know, he's won lots of majors, but the, when it becomes a thing, like Sergio with the majors for a while and Phil with the majors and Monty, it, uh, it becomes and Westwood. It becomes a thing, and when it becomes a thing, you're not just free playing golf anymore. You know, like you're 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 over thinking something that really doesn't contribute to you playing well or badly. You know, so there's there's two sides to that, I guess. I think I, I mean it kind of is similar to like playing playing a tournament at your home course where you know you've played it so many times, you know where all your all the misses are. And all the bad, the bad places to hit it are, and you're, you know, all of a sudden, 
you get in a tournament and it's just different than when you're playing with your boys. Yeah, it is going to be an amazing patch to see who kind of stands up um, because there's, as you said, there's a lot of guys that look like that potentially they could be that guy who who's wins their next multiple major winner. You know, Ram looks like a multiple major winner. Colin could be a multiple major winner. I mean, a bunch of guys. Bryson, who knows? Um, it's who's going to be the guy who kind of steps up out of this group because the group looks so deep and so good, mm-hmm. you know, like – Right now, we think Bryson and Malakawa and Rahm, they're going to be the top three or four in the world for the next few years. But then in a month's time, it'll be Justin Thomas will win two weeks in a row and all of a sudden he's going to be the best. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it's an unbelievable period of golf at the moment. It, it, it almost, it'll be when we're 15 years out from this, it'll be looking back, I feel like we'll look at two or three majors as like, oh man, he won a ton of majors. Yeah, it's gone back to that period. It's funny. I mean, there's, everyone says everything goes around, it comes around, it goes around. But when I was a kid, everyone was like, that's it. There's too many good golfers. No one will ever dominate again. We'll never see a Jack Nicholas. There's just no way. There's too many good players. We'll never see a guy who wins double-digit majors again. It's not going to happen. And that was what like, happens? that was Faldo. That was, you know, Woosnam. Yeah, Norman. Yeah. Langer. Langer. I mean, a great period. Payne Stewart, guys like that. Like, brilliant. Pretty strange. Curtis Strange, Corey Pavin. Um, yeah, brilliant run of, but it was like everyone's going to share it a bit. We won't see any more Jack Nicholas. And sure enough, as that talk was happening, Tiger Woods comes along. And then for 15 years, people are like, well, it's just, there's no good golfers. There's only one golfer in the world. Like he, beats, <laughs> he beats them every time. And, the, and it was kind of true. Like he just won everything that was important for a decade. Um, but now, it's gone back to the talk before Tiger. It's like, well, everyone's too good. You can't dominate. So I don't know. It's all cycles. Someone might stand up and be extra special. You know, I don't know. But at the moment, it's incredibly deep. And you could not pick. It could be five guys who could be number one in the world between now and Christmas. Like, you know what I mean? It's nuts. Well, it. I was looking at stats. Last year, Adam Scott had statistically his best season of his career and he didn't even win yeah look and you played nine holes with adam scott you realize how do i beat this guy you know what i mean but nothing this is nothing against adam scott this is a pro for everybody else it's just a lot of players who play that good now you know a lot of players it used to be that you would and look every generation i'm sure is the same and there's a lot of relativity here but when i walked on the range 25 years ago when i first started playing pro tournaments there was usually two or three guys that just stood out from everybody else, be it the Greg Norman or the Faldo or the set. It was like, wow, who's beating this guy? Westwood when he was young, Monty. Now it's like everybody just hits it good. You know, no one really stands out on the range about how hard they hit the driver or how they hit that good because everybody hits it good. Um, there's a lot less fear. Very people have unbelievable putters, like miraculous putters. People have Talk about the authenticity. People have like given up trying to look good with a putter and they just hold it how they want and they're making everything, you know. It's um it's hard to say. It's a great period. It's not also awesome. It's a tiger effect too, right? It's yeah. all these kids who are like now, they're all the ones who are like little kids watching Tiger win, thinking, I want to be that guy. With no fans, how do you think that would affect having played in so many majors, won a major, how much different would it be playing playing in, in the hunt in a major without fans or would it be similar i don't know because i've never done it but i i imagine there'd be elements of it that would be easier there's elements of the crowd that make it more difficult because it just makes it seem a bigger occasion um which can be good and bad um people tend to make you nervous you know when there's lots of people around if there's no one there it would feel smaller maybe but saying that there's a lot about momentum and atmosphere that you can capture you know and it's usually the highest like the biggest atmospheres that you see the best golf you know the Ryder Cups last nine holes of the Masters back nines at US Opens you see miraculous stuff when there's like crazy energy and it's it would be an odd feeling coming down playing 13 15 16 at the Masters on Sunday tied for the lead with Tiger Woods and having that energy it would be really odd I think um so I don't know. I don't know if it would be easier or harder. There'd be elements of both, I think. I mean, 
in your situation, the at the Wigfoot, it wouldn't have taken VJ fifteen minutes to take that drop. No, we would have finished <laughs> earlier. Yeah, <laughs> it would be. Look, see, but there'd be see at a US Open um, and at a tournament, a non say not not the Masters, pretty much everywhere else. There's no crowd now to to tamp down the rough, so. There'll be. There's always been this common complaint from tour players that if you if you miss the fairway by three yards, you're dead, and if you miss it by by twenty, you're fine because you're out where everyone stepped on it and it's flat. So, tour golf often punishes the just miss; it doesn't punish the big miss mm-hmm. off the tee. Well, that's going to be the other way around. You know, it's just going to get worse and worse if there's no one trampling down all the stuff. Um, it's just going to get awful. So that could be interesting in the U.S. Open if they uh, if that ends up going ahead. How would you, with like all these events packed together? I mean, we got, we're recording this. Well, it'll be WGC this week, but then PGA, and then a couple weeks later, you got the US Open. But in between there, you've got the playoffs, you've got, you know, the Master. How would you approach such a jam packed schedule? Wow. I mean, even given that, uh, taking away like the current state of the world, um, and yeah, to say it was too. a normal, just saying it was a normal state of the world, and uh, all those tournaments. I don't know. I would just you'd have to be very wary of like not overdoing the pre-tournament stuff um, when you play that many big tournaments. I think you can. You see a lot of guys early in their career kind of blow all their energy on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday by spending nine hours at the course, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, their first Masters, you know what I mean? By Thursday morning, they're just done because they've just worn themselves out. And if you do that week in and week out at big tournaments, that's easy to do. So I think you'd be really smart that you'd have that Brooks style, you know, you'd play nine holes Tuesday, nine hole Wednesday and be really a bit more casual about it, saying it might not be ideal for this actual tournament, but playing eight big tournaments in 12 weeks to play them all the best, I think I have to kind of, chill on them a little bit and relax. I think it'd be, it'd be very easy to get tired. And that's just the golf side of it. The the, um, the whole kind of COVID world and the spending that much of a time just having room service or Uber Eats in your room um, and playing video games or whatever it is, I mean, that's got to get tedious after a while too, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's... Uh... It's got to, yeah. I mean, it's hard enough being in your own personal house, let alone like in hotel rooms. It's just, just nuts. Yeah, it's a different thing. I mean, look, we're used to hotel rooms, and I don't mind a hotel room here and there, but like that much of it, like it's nice to go out to dinner or to just cruise around and do some stuff. And like, it's a long, it's a, it's a long stretch if you played three or four weeks in a row and you, you'd live in like that. You're not seeing much reality and you're, you're, you're You've done a few laps around your Netflix, you know what I mean, by the end of that. <laughs> so uh, who, who do you think is going to win this PGA? Who would be your pick at Harding Park? As I said, it's got, I think it's going to be a good putter. I mean, I'm sure the greens are miraculous, and I'm sure I've sold them wrong, but um, I will say, I don't know. It's got to be one of these. I don't know. Who should I pick? I, I mean, should be looking so at some names. I know. I, run I, through I, some names. You just you just run down the world rankings. It's crazy. Rom, McElroy, JT, Webb Simpson, DJ, Brooks, Bryson, Reed, Scott, Cantley, Xander, Morikawa, Fleetwood, Hatton, Tiger, Finau, Rose. I mean, God, the top twenty: Leishman, Woodland, and uh, and Fitzpatrick. That's the top twenty. Pretty good top twenty. Yeah, it's- yeah, it's pretty good. Out of all of those guys, I mean, obviously Colin's great. I think Ram is going to be up and about because he's just one. He's number one in the world. Um, JT, JT's a threat in any big tournament. I mean, I know Jimmy's been sick, but um, of the Presidents Cup, outside of Tiger, who really impressed me at the Presidents Cup, walking around on the fairways and driving a cart and just being. I followed Justin two or three rounds, and he's he, he's nuts how good he is. No, it's Justin Thomas is like just the complete golfer, you know, and not afraid in big situations. Um, yeah. Confident, he puts good enough out there. I'll, uh, he, he's going to be if he keeps staying the way he is. He's going to be one of my favorites going into almost all majors, really, the way he plays, you know, because you just know on the last nine holes he's going to be there. You know, if he's if he plays well and he gets in content, he's not going to go away. He's going to be hard to beat. And Brooks, 
Um, I see Brooks had a good score to start Memphis. So um, Brooks, it, there's so much horsepower in people like Brooks and Dustin that if the, if if it, if they just fall out of bed the right way, I mean they can win without even thinking about it. You know those two guys, like it's nuts how good they are. It's just crazy that the way Brooks has played majors, that like the way even like right now, and this is probably plays into. What the way he plays his best is when he he might start to feel like he's been an afterthought in golf, and and that's when he goes and rolls out of bed and wins two majors, you know. Well, that's it. It's hard right now to be if you want to be the man that everyone talks about. No one is for more than about a month, you know. If you think about it, I mean, Bryson was the talk of the world. Now all of a sudden, Rahm's the talk of the world, and no one's talked about Brooks. It's about six guys ago, you know, Justin yeah. Thomas, like Hovland and Morikawa, all these youth. And, and Brooks, by the way, for the last four years, has got historically the, one of the best records for four years of all time. I mean, it's just <laughs> nuts how good he's played. Um, yeah, it's a bit unfair. The guy's so good, though. Wow. He could win, he could win any day he wants. If, he just, if it all just works, it'll, he'll just win. It, do you think it's just, I mean, we've talked, we've brushed this subject a few times in this conversation, but is it just the nature of golf that makes it really hard to be like, you know, LeBron's been the best player in the NBA or one of the best three players in the NBA. You could get into arguments for a decade, you know, is it, is there just something, is it just golf is so hard to be the best or best three at even for a decade? Yeah. Yeah. I think if it was match play, like more like tennis, I think if, all golf was match play. I think you would see a bit more dominance. Tennis tennis style. Yeah, you'd have three or four guys who just had the wool over everyone and no one could beat them. I, you would have that. But in stroke play, there's so much randomness a little bit. Um, and a great stroke play player isn't necessarily the guy who has the best score today. It's the guy who averages kind of the best score. You know, he plays well for the longer period. So you don't always win because there might be three other guys who hold more putts for you that week. But over the long haul, you're going to be the best player. And that's who the best player is, who, who kind of averages the best score. Well, that's not going to win all the time. And there's just a lot of guys, a lot of guys who are good at having good scores all the time now. It's just a hard, it's just a hard game. It's just a lot of people doing it. It's like... Um, Do you think it's because, like, if it was all match play, eventually Brian Gay, who's a great player, <laughs> incredible career... But Brian Gay is going to have to play John Rahm, and when that day comes, there's like an, an added intimidation factor versus he's playing at 10.54 off 10, and John Rahm's at 9 off 1. He's never going to see John Rahm, and he could go out and shoot 64. Absolutely, yeah. It's like match play, stroke play is basically an execution contest, you know, who, who plays 72 holes the best and I'll compare it to everyone else's effort over those 72 holes and we'll see who did. So it's, it's more of a kind of, I don't know, it's, it's a mental test, but it's not match play is a mental is the way you are playing is less important than the way you are thinking in match play a lot of times. And again, yeah, you, you had a John Rahm, Brian Gay matchup. I'm not saying Brian wouldn't beat him, but it would be scary proposition standing on the first tee for someone like that. If he'd, he'd go Ram one day, Brooks the next day, Rory the next day. It's like, that's a tough three days in a row. Whereas if you're just trying to have the same score as them over 72 holes, you're not, you're not trying to match them on every shot. You know, mm-hmm. it's different. All right. But it's just good play. There's just good players everywhere. It's just a... Well, in tennis, the other thing with tennis is they have, you know, like I almost feel like a set is like a, a match, you know, and they play best of five in a it's like a tennis match like it's so hard for a little bit less skilled player to beat the one of the best players yes it seems that way because tennis also one you're hitting the shots but two you're having to return the other player's shots so the better they are one the better their shots are and harder they are so you can't hit quality shots up there so they affect how you play yeah It doesn't happen in golf as much. Um, but, yeah, it's just, look, it's a lot of kids play it, especially that Tiger effect. It got really cool. There's a lot of people in the world in their 20s now who have spent 15 years trying to hit the ball well, way more than there were before. Like when I was a kid, I wouldn't tell my friends at school, especially at a young age, that I played golf because it was a dorky sport. 
now everybody like it's the cool sport, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just it's just more people doing it. Um, there's more athletes doing it. Um, it's a cooler thing to do, and the guys who win in this modern world. They have a million Instagram followers and they have private planes and they have this cool lifestyle that kids aspire that. I mean, these kids just want that, you know, yeah. and that's, and that's more prevalent than it's ever been, you know, Ricky and Pulse and all that tweeting their pictures from NetJets on the way home and stuff. People want that. So they work, I mean, I know they work harder, but it's, it's a more tangible goal for them. You know, they just, it's just, they get the superstar, which seems to be what this millennial generation that's a big carrot for them. You yeah. Know? Well, more money in any sport usually is going to lead to more talent, more athleticism, better athlete. Yeah. You know, that's that's and that's what Tiger brought so much money into the game that it it's natural that it would uh, it would come. So, uh, hey, thanks for coming on. We're uh, excited for the PGA and always good to catch up. Yeah. No worries. Yeah, it'll be good. Uh, get a major back with no people. We'll see yeah. what's like. <laughs>